Welcome back, everybody, to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. You can find me on Twitter at FFKnowItAll. Today we're going to discuss the quarterback landscape and how you can make the most of this information to build your team for success. Now we'll get down to business in a minute, but first I want to tell you about something that I am very excited about. The details are up in the air still, but it looks like I will be hosting a weekly fantasy football radio show. I don't have all the information yet, but it will most likely air on Friday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. As we draw closer, I will provide details on the format and where you can listen on future podcasts. As you can tell, I am listening. Uh, I am recording from my outside studio here in uh, South Charlotte. It is a uh, overcast day, but it's nice, so we're going to have some birds from time to time, and perhaps an occasional uh, plane overhead. So I apologize ahead of time for that. It should not distract us one bit. Now I want to tell you guys about a podcast that I personally listen to. It's called the Morning Smoke CLT. Join my man G as he tackles topics that are near and dear to his heart but affect all of us in one way or another. If you enjoy relaxing with a beverage or perhaps even a smoke, then the Morning Smoke CLT is for you. I'm telling you friends, you will not regret giving it a listen. Again, That's the Morning Smoke CLT. It is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere podcasts can be found. Since this is the quarterback preview, it is only fitting that the biggest news around the NFL surrounds none other than Patrick Mahomes. The Super Bowl MVP was signed to a record-breaking 10-year deal by the Kansas City Chiefs. The contract is worth almost a half a billion dollars. Yeah, you heard me right. $450 million, which makes it by far the richest contract in NFL history. No one can doubt that Mahomes is a generational talent uh, at quarterback, and I believe that he really will end up on a atop of the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks when this is, when his career is said and done, obviously barring injury. But this locks and loads the Chiefs offense for many years. So a repeat this season is not out of the realm of possibility. In other news, Cam Newton also signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. This hardly comes as a surprise, as Newton has been rumored to be joining Bill Belichick and company uh, for months now to replace the departed Tom Brady. I'll go over this more when we talk about Cam in, uh, later on in this episode, but his skill set does not bode well for the stable of running backs they have in Foxborough, namely Sony Michelle, who I was never high on anyway, and quite frankly, he shouldn't even be on your radar, but even more so now. He is a hard pass for me. All right, let's get down to business here. Um, at number one, should come as no surprise, although I am in the minority here, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Fresh off the heels of that historic contract, Mahomes is clearly, in my mind anyway, the guy that you want to take if you plan on going for a quarterback early. Again, I'm in the minority here, as most people make a case for Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so, and I'll get into that when I cover him uh, 
next. Spoiler alert. Um, but Mahomes gives your team a minimum of two touchdowns and 300 yards per contest. He doesn't throw many interceptions. So those numbers there are light years ahead of anyone else on this list. He can run the ball in. He has been known to score touchdowns on the ground, but he doesn't have the prowess to do so. Even with that, he is the guy that I would take number one, especially when he's got weapons. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they catch passes in this explosive offense. They like to throw to their running back, whether it is Damian Williams or one of the other running backs they have there. Um, I would consider him and only Mahomes as the number one QB off of my draft board. Now he will be going way too high for my liking. Uh, second round, maybe third, but sometimes in the first, depending on your uh, depending on your league. Two quarterback leagues, that's different. But for I cover mostly uh, PPR and one quarterback uh, redraft leagues, so for those purposes, he would be my number one. Now, number two, as I mentioned earlier, is Lamar Jackson. You can look at Jackson's performance last season and say to yourself, there's no way he can repeat that again. But then adversely, you can look at, at you can make a case that he's the he is only entering his third season and there's room for growth. Let's just take a look at the numbers. Jackson threw for 3,127 yards and a whopping 36 touchdowns. His completion percentage was 66%. Throw in the fact that he had 1,206 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. One can argue that you get a quarterback one and a fringe running back one with a single pick. I'm not here to debate that. If you give me those stats every year, he'd be the number one player I would take, never mind the number one quarterback. I just don't think it's sustainable. On the surface, it looks promising, but those of you who know me are well aware that I do not buy into stat lines. They fluctuate year to year, even with the talent. So his efficiency as a passer surprised many folks last year yours truly included and regression regression is coming folks and i'm not saying that lamar jackson is not going to win you weeks he will that said defenses have had time to adjust to his play style and his passing numbers will take a dip i'm going to hold to the fact that i don't think he's a very good uh he's very good throwing the football a lot of dinking and dunking and a lot of big plays by the receivers uh Marquise Brown is a prime example of that. He does rely on his tight end, so I think schemes can be adjusted and they will play, uh, defenses will play him more honest. I don't believe that he can rush for over a thousand yards year to year uh, on a continuous basis. I just think that leaves him open to too many injuries, and even though we don't draft with injury in mind, you need to consider the amount of times he runs the football. So I still rank him only behind Mahomes in, in terms of overall expected production. But at this price, especially if he's going number one uh, in the first round or in the second round, I'm looking elsewhere. Now, at number three is a guy that um, I think it's a, a bit of a hot take. Now, he's, he is within uh, the top six in most people's rankings, but um, I believe I am the highest on him. And that is Kyler Murray. Last year, I was not a believer in Murray 
but now that I've taken a closer look, I have come to expect big things in 2020. Um, he got off to a slow start last season. There's no doubt about that. But as things progressed, he took a huge leap forward. He runs the football. He throws it a little bit more. This offense has added pieces that will make it uh, much, much improved. Um, and watching him play reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson. So uh, Watson had a similar situation. He started slow in Houston, and then he kicked it up midseason a few years back and skyrocketed to the top among fantasy quarterbacks. Why was that? Well, his talent had a lot to do with it. He is an extremely talented quarterback. But I also want to throw in the fact that he had DeAndre Hopkins, a big target, by the goal line and a downfield threat. Great hands. He made some incredible catches. Now, Hopkins is on the Cardinals. And so, with Arizona adding him as a wide receiver one, only adds to the chances of a higher ceiling for Murray. My draft advice for you here, if you're one of those who are hell-bent on snagging a quarterback relatively early, start with a wide receiver one, and then either another wide receiver or a running back one in rounds one and two. And then you can follow that up with Murray in round three. In most drafts, he might even slip to the fourth round. And you can build yourself up with a couple of running backs, a wide receiver, vice versa. Maybe a Travis Kelsey if you're going to go tight end early. You can set up your team much better than if you grab Lamar Jackson at the turn or in the early second round. I think you're giving up... Uh, too much if, if you're passing on a high-tiered running back or a high-tiered wide receiver, especially in PPR formats. Number four, um, the aforementioned uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I have him at number four, but I'm still trying to figure out what the Texans are doing overall on offense. The trade for Hopkins, uh, the trade of Hopkins for David Johnson suggests to me that Bill O'Brien might be leaning toward a run-heavy approach in 2020. As we have seen throughout his tenure in Houston, however, O'Brien never quite does what we expect him to do or what we feel would be best for the team. I mean, let's face it, uh, we shake our heads at his decisions most of the time. Still, though, Watson is a, a good asset, a very talented player. I don't feel that he's going to fall much beyond the fourth quarterback taken off the board. On to number five. Number five is a guy that I feel he's in a bad situation even though I have him at number five, and that's Russell Wilson. If he was allowed to sling the ball downfield, my belief is he could very well compete with Pat Mahomes for the number one overall spot on this list. It just isn't in the cards. Pete Carroll has always shown preference toward a run-first offense, and that will most likely not change this season. With Chris Carson expected to be back and the addition of Carlos Hyde to this running back stable, um, Rashad Penny, also expected to be back at some point from injury, and they drafted a, a, a young running back in DJ Dallas. Um, Russell Wilson's skills as a passer are not even open for debate. Uh, they're enough to rank him at number five, and he will most likely be drafted, as with the four above him, he will be drafted much higher than I am willing to really take him. So Wilson is definitely somebody to look at, if you are uh, one of those that want to take quarterbacks early, but I would advise waiting, and I'll get into more of that later. Now, 
there was a time where Dak Prescott was considered a steal and a super value in fantasy drafts. Last year's performance put an end to all that. He threw for 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns. All of this while having one of the best running backs in all of football playing behind him in Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys added yet another weapon in the passing game by drafting C.D. Lamb in the second round. Sure, there's rumblings of a holdout for Dak, but as of right now, Prescott appears to be locked and loaded to lead this Dallas offense. Number seven is, let me throw the stat at you first. This guy threw only four interceptions all of last season while amassing four thousand passing yards and 26 touchdowns his completion percentage was 62 percent this was considered a down year does that sound like a down year to you well that's because the stats belong to Aaron Rodgers in 2018 Rodgers was the reason why I won an experts league that I was invited to participate in Um, his number one guy is back and should be healthy in Devontae Adams, and the Packers have a much improved defense. It pains me to rank him here at seven. However, Matt LaFleur and company drafted a quarterback and a running back with their first two picks of the 2020 draft. What does that mean? Rodgers is not going to be replaced. Uh, At least I seriously doubt that he will. I mean, that's just foolishness. However, there is a good chance that Green Bay transitions into more of a run-first type offense, like Seattle, or maybe like Houston is going to do. So for those reasons, I had to rank him here, even though I feel a bounce back is coming, and Aaron Rodgers can certainly still get the job done, and I believe he might even be considered a value for the first time in over a decade. Number eight, um, Josh Allen. Allen is a guy I've been high on since his days in Wyoming. Sure, he's been inaccurate at times throughout his short career, but he's worked on improving his completion percentage. I've watched him on film, and guys, I'm going to tell you, he is the real deal. He's an athletic gunslinger who's not afraid to take chances downfield. And the addition of Stefan Diggs to this receiving core only makes another jump seem more likely. Add in his rushing ability. The idea that you could see one rushing touchdown each week is is quite an attractive prospect, especially in four point per uh, touchdown per passing touchdown leagues. The six points you get from a rushing touchdown is invaluable. He faces bad defenses all season long as well. Uh, he's going to be playing Miami twice, the Jets twice. I don't know what New England's going to bring to the table. So right there, there are six opportunities. Now New England has improved on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to get into that next at number nine. But as far as Allen goes, I love the player and love the upside possibility here at number eight. Now, at number nine, we have Cam Newton. I am so glad I waited until after Newton was signed to do this podcast. Uh, I will admit that he does not fit what New England likes to do. But to be fair, they have only had Tom Brady for the better part of two decades. I fully expect Bill Belichick to use Cam's abilities as a rusher, as well as to dink and dunk, which New England has been uh, notorious for doing with Tom Brady. Now, there will be some success for Cam Newton in New England. That is a certainty in my mind. So I had to rank him inside the top 10 for that reason. He is still 
relatively young, and though he has been injured, he's played through most of them, and they haven't been severe enough for me to think that his skills have diminished. I think he has. Uh, he's playing for a contract as he was only signed to a one-year deal. So I expect good things from Cam, especially from the fantasy landscape. Absolutely a top 10 pick, in my opinion, as far as quarterbacks go. Number 10, Matt Ryan. Now, Matty Ice is about to enter his uh, another season coming off of a down year. That can only mean a boom year in fantasy, right? I mean, that's what the formula's been over the past several seasons, so why wouldn't it happen this year? Sure, I worry about Dirk Cutter, um, as he can stifle anything good. <laughs> so that is something that you need to take into consideration here. But still, Ryan is a highly skilled passer, and now that he has Todd Gurley playing behind him, uh, the much-improved running game, should enable Ryan to have increased success throwing the ball downfield. I expect Calvin Ridley to emerge as a true star opposite Julio Jones, who in my mind is still one of the top three wide receivers in the game. So you can definitely do worse than Matt Ryan in the mid-rounds as far as quarterbacks go. Number 11, playing in the same division, is Drew Brees. Even though he is among the oldest at the position, Breeze is still able to pass for yardage and throw multiple touchdowns any given week. With a prolific pass-catching back, such as Alvin Kamara on hand, as well as Michael Thomas doing what he does, which is just amazing, amazingness, for lack of a better word, uh, look for Breeze to put up numbers and anchor your fantasy team at the quarterback position. I don't feel I really need to mention more. Um, a side note to this, maybe is the addition of um, Emmanuel Sanders working out of the slot, a true slot receiver who has shown the ability to still bring his game, uh, elevate his game to a high level, even though he's getting older, I think can only help Breeze. And uh, we'll see what the uh, tight end position can bring for New Orleans. So definitely um, feel comfortable with Drew Breeze as a quarterback one on your team. And rounding out the QB1s at number 12 is Tom Brady. There is no middle ground on Brady. Either you believe he can excel anywhere, or you feel he's just merely a product of the system, especially what they had in New England. Um, I, I, where I stand with Brady is much more complicated, uh, and, I, and there's no reason for me to get into it here. What I can say is... I'm not expecting him to lead the league in many categories. I think those days are long behind him. But Brady remains a smart and talented quarterback capable of utilizing the weapons. And these are the best weapons he's ever had, in my opinion, or at least among them. I would not mind grabbing him in the mid to late rounds. Um, but with the Patri Patriot truthers still on board and still believing in Brady... He will most likely get drafted way too high, especially in my league when there are at least two uh, Patriot fans. And Brady typically goes in the first or second round, even as, as late as last year. Number 13. Number 13 is my favorite target um, in all of my mock drafts thus far, and that's Matthew Stafford. In 2019... Stafford threw for almost 2,500 yards and 19 touchdowns in less than eight games. He was injured in Game 8, if, uh, if you all remember, with a back injury, and he never came back. 
That is a season-long pace of 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. The lack of a running game in Detroit is not due to not having enough talent. Kyrion Johnson is a solid running back, plus they added DeAndre Swift through the draft. Still, if Stafford proves to be healthy, as he always has been uh, among the most sturdy quarterbacks throughout his career, then there's no reason to believe these stats were an aberration. Do I think he'll throw for 5,000 yards? Well, no. But mid-4,000 is well within range, and upwards of 40 touchdowns is also on the table. Um, He is currently, uh, as I said, my number one target, but his ADP remains in the double-digit rounds. This is the guy that I would aim for and I would tell you to eyeball if you're going to go ahead and build your team at the skilled positions early. At 14, Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben coming off season-ending shoulder surgery in 2019, and he's not getting any younger. Um, He enters 2020 at, at age 38, so there are plenty of reasons to be concerned. Still, Roethlisberger has shown the ability to win weeks. Um, He throws plenty of touchdowns, and he builds yardage. Um, His home road splits are alarming, and they, they absolutely should give you cause for concern. Still, if for whatever reason you're getting to the point where you absolutely need a quarterback, but you've built your team strong. You could do a lot worse than Big Ben here. Um, I expect a bounce back for him, as well as the entire Steeler offense. Number 15. Speaking of bounce backs, is one of my guys heading into this season, and that's Baker Mayfield. I cannot see a scenario where things go worse for Mayfield than they did in 2019. The Browns added some pieces to what is, in my mind, a stacked lineup, at least on paper. Um, It looks to be able to put up a lot of points, and I believe that they will. Uh, They have two all-star caliber running back ones in that offense, and of course that's Kareem Hunt and um, Nick Chubb. They also have Odell Beckham Jr., who I feel is another bounce-back guy and will have something to prove. They added a second tight end there, in Austin Hooper to go along with uh, David Njoku. So uh, Jarvis Landry is still there. I I can go on and on. On the offensive side of the ball, Cleveland is absolutely stacked. I am absolutely fine taking Mayfield late. In the same instance as I just said with Roethlisberger, if I've loaded up on running back and wide receiver in the first 10 rounds of the draft, Baker Mayfield is still sitting there. Absolutely Go, go get him. At number 16 is a guy that I'm low on, uh, lower than most people, actually. Um, and I'm just not a believer in Carson Wentz. Um, I don't think he's anything more than a mid-range performer at best uh, in the quarterback position for fantasy or otherwise. Sure, he's shown glimpses of greatness at times, but his inability to remain healthy is a red flag. There aren't enough weapons at his disposal in Philadelphia either, which is why I don't feel comfortable really drafting him at all. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I'm lower on him than most experts, so just be careful because you will hear the Wentz hype. Every year there is Philadelphia hype around this offense. Do I need to say, I'll, I'll say it as clear as I can, Nick Foles is the reason Philadelphia won that Super Bowl. I realize Wentz went 10-1 and one or whatever it was with the team. I get all of that. But without Nick Foles, there is no championship in the city of brotherly love. 
that is just the way that it is. So be careful about the hype and all of the uh, uh, and all of the love being thrown at Wentz uh, from the land of the cheesesteaks. Please, for the love of God. On to Philip Rivers. Rivers has always been a favorite target of mine, and as good as he's been throughout his career, he's never gotten any love from the fantasy community. I was always able to get him toward the end of my drafts, even when he was playing at his highest level, which is something I can't understand. Now he's a cult, and it remains to be seen if he will rekindle his career with Frank Reich and company in Indianapolis. He may just be done. Uh, but if you're drafting him, you're not drafting him with any capital. And if you back him up with a, a younger, uh, a younger quarterback, maybe a rookie, or maybe somebody with uh, that that isn't even going drafted, that you can throw in there later on uh, if he takes off as an insurance policy. Absolutely, there's a lot worse you can do because he will be super cheap. The risk, from my mind, is worth the reward for those waiting waiting at the quarterback position. Number eighteen. Joe Burrow. Hmm. I struggled with placing him here uh, ahead of the next group, but there is an upside with Burrow that the others simply don't have. He's coming off an electric senior season at LSU, and while college success doesn't always translate into uh, prowess in the NFL, I think this might be one of those instances where it does. He will have a solid running game behind him and a bevy of weapons in the passing game. Um, pair him with the aforementioned Roethlisberger or Rivers if you want to do something, uh, if you want to have the guy on the bench that has that upside in case either of these two old-timers flop. And if he explodes, you don't have to burn a fa- uh, your fab budget or your waiver priority to get him as he'll be still sitting there on your bench. For those of you who are in leagues, here's another tip. For those of you who are in leagues where people draft uh, backup defenses, and backup kickers. Throw an extra quarterback on your bench. Who in God's name needs a backup defense? Just snag one when your defense is off. You're going to end up most likely dropping your first defense anyway. Drafting two of them? That's just insane. And don't even get me started on kickers. I'll cover more of that when I do go over draft strategies. Uh, very shortly, actually, as we, um, as we approach training camp. Number 19 is Ryan Tannehill. I like Tannehill, and I was surprised and impressed by what he did after taking over for Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. That said, the Titans are very much a run-heavy offense. I mean, with Derrick Henry mauling defenses all over the NFL, Tannehill might not even be throwing that much uh, in 2020. Now, there is a scenario where the Tennessee defense uh, doesn't hold its own, and they're in some high-scoring games, but... I kind of like the Tennessee defense. They, they're, they're on my radar as a, as a defense I might draft clearly late, but uh, hold on to throughout the season as I do feel that they've uh, improved. And I think there's going to be a lot of low-scoring games in Tennessee. So there's going to be a lot of Derrick Henry time and a lot less um, Tannehill magic. Number 20 is a guy that I actually have always liked from the standpoint of his uh his ability to rack up yardage and touchdowns, but his scenario and his situation are, it's not looking good. And that's Kirk Cousins. Um, Losing Stefan Diggs is a big deal, at least in my opinion. Adam Thielen is still there. And while they did draft Sean Jefferson to play opposite their star wideout, 
uh, he's still only a rookie. We don't know what he can do. So I would say that temper expectations when it comes to Cousins, with uh, whether it's Dalvin Cook or Al- um, Alexander Madison, it doesn't matter in my mind. They're going to utilize the running game first. The Vikings have a decent defense. So uh, when it comes to Cousins, if you're taking him, pair him with somebody, especially somebody young with upside. Um, on to 21. 21 is Jared Goff. Now... Goff is another guy that has shown that he can be very proficient as a passer and he could rack up numbers. Um, A couple of years back, that Rams offense was putting up points like you wouldn't believe. But a lot has changed since then. Um, He's been up and down over his career, and the changes, the losses of Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks, I believe take something away from this offense. Sure, you had tight ends emerge last year, but at this point in the draft... If you do not have a quarterback already, I think you're better off waiting and taking a gamble on somebody with a higher ceiling. Now, there's more on that later when I cover uh, draft strategies, and I might throw something in at the end of this podcast, um, as you may or may not have noticed somebody missing from my top 21. Uh, Just keep that in the back of your mind. I'll get to that when we're done. Daniel Jones is my number 22, and he has perhaps the best pure rusher in, uh, in in Saquon Barkley at his disposal. His tight end is athletic, and when healthy, Evan Ingram is an absolute playmaker. Um, there are three talented wide receivers, yet they're underrated in the receiving core. I, I think that Jones can run the football. Um, Mitchell Trubisky style, not uh, obviously not Lamar Jackson or uh, Josh Allen, but he will get you some points on the ground. Um, he's fine as a backup, but like I was saying with Golf and Cousins, you're better off waiting for higher upside. At number 23, if I told you there was a quarterback that you can draft with your last pick, who last season had a 70% completion rate and threw for 4,000 yards, would you sign up for that? I think most of us would. When I say his name, think for a minute and then decide if you actually really would. I'm talking about Derek Carr. Most of his completions were to the monster that is Darren Waller. Um, the, The mere lack of weapons in Las Vegas gives me pause to really take the plunge on on Carr, although you're really not investing a, a, a pick on him. This is one of those guys that I mentioned a few picks ago that I would take later that the upside is huge. He's only been in the he's only been around for a handful of seasons, so he's still relatively young and last year he only threw 21 touchdowns as the Raiders didn't really have many hands on deck to be catching passes. Um they didn't add all that much. Yes, they drafted a slew of wide receivers, namely Henry Ruggs the 3rd and and he's fine, but he's not a huge playmaker. So Carr, on the surface, makes a much better streamer than a weekly entry in your lineup. But if you do take him and put him on the bench, he could be a guy that, if you stacked your lineup at every other position, Travis Kelsey at tight end, a couple of solid, really good wide receivers, a a staunch running game, you could do a whole lot worse than Derek Carr. Um, At 24, I had to put somebody at 24, right? So I went with Sam Darnold. Um, Now... Man, does the landscape at this point look shaky. I considered Nick Foles 
for example. Uh, Gardner Minshew was somebody that I thought of as well. Um, there might have been a few other guys that I, I kind of looked at. But Sam Darnold, um, I had to plug my nose to even write his name here at 24. There has not been a Jets player in the years, and that includes Le'Veon Bell, that was worth drafting in the first six rounds uh, of the draft. Still, I feel that Darnold has the ability to throw for yardage and scores. I just don't know if he has an offense that's capable of doing that. Um, he's just in too bad of an offense, uh, too bad of a situation. And he's way too inconsistent, actually, for me to consider uh, starting him on my team. But again, I had to put somebody at 24, so this is the guy I went with. So that, my friends, will wrap up the top 24 quarterbacks. And I had mentioned earlier that I was going to throw something in at the end of the draft, at the end of the podcast, excuse me. And you may have noticed that there were no Chargers quarterbacks, not Justin Herbert and not Tyrod Taylor. And that's not because I dislike either of them. I just don't know how things are going to play out there. On the surface, it looks like Tyrod Taylor is going to take the reins week one and, and run with it. But there's no justification in taking him not knowing if he's going to finish the season. So I wouldn't draft him, but maybe nobody else will draft him either. Tyrod Taylor is absolutely going to start the season for the Chargers. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. Well, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't think there's a doubt about it. And he's been known to run the football a little bit. He is pretty efficient as a, as a, a passer, and he can move the offense. With Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry in the mix, I think he will put up some numbers for the first three, four weeks of the season. I just don't know if he'll stay there. If you told me he would stay and be a 16-week a, a starter for the L.A. Chargers, then I would have him much higher. I, I would most likely have him QB 14-15, around the Roethlisberger range right after Stafford, but I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But as I said, if you wait until the very end of the draft, you have a solid team, you have backups, you're stacked to the brim, grab Tyrod Taylor, and heck, grab Justin Herbert too. I realize that's putting three quarterbacks or two quarterbacks on your team, um, but at least you'll have the L.A. Chargers quarterback should things flip-flop. So, all right. Well, that's going to put an end to our quarterback preview. I hope you all found uh, nuggets of information that will help you in deciding how to go about your drafts. And, and draft season, if it hasn't already, it should be in full swing. So let's just hope there is football. Let's hope that it starts on time. I know that COVID has really put a lot of doubt in, in everything that's going on, football being a contact sport and all of that. So a lot of things remain up in the air going on the assumption that there is football I'm going to continue to um, provide you with podcasts um, I am going to do one more in two weeks and then I'll go to a weekly format and then also keep your eye out for Twitter posts and listen to the podcast as I will give you more details on the radio show which I am super excited about as always, I want to thank everyone who listens. I want to thank Mike. I want to thank Deja. I want to thank Rob, um, Nick, uh, Steve, 
Chris Henderson. I mentioned Chris by first and last name because he he and I go back and forth all the time, and uh, I, I throw ideas at him, and he throws ideas at me. So I just want to thank all of you guys for your continued support, and I couldn't do this show without you. And again, I want to give a shout-out to my listener in France. Hope you're listening. Um, I definitely want to thank you for uh, downloading and listening to the podcast. I, I, I am humbled and honored to be an internationally listened to show. And um, for now, I am going to say goodbye, get out of your way so that you can continue with your lives. Um, two more shout outs really quickly. Kevin, Chris, and Temi for providing the intro and outro music. Very talented guitar player. And uh, thank you so much, brother. And the logo for the podcast and for any subsequent um, things that I do for the show and the radio show and the website were a Matt Bacon original. So thanks, guys, for your help and your assistance. And as always, continue to dominate everything that you do. Yeah.